Hi, everyone, and I welcome everybody who's listening to this uh, podcast today. Today, we have a special guest. Her name is Pat Bubb. I am so happy that when I reached out to her, she agreed to be with us. Uh, Pat Bubb uh, uh, worked with RGV Lead for over almost 30 years, and um, she is my guest today. We are going to be hearing from her, from her upbringing and her stories and what she had to uh, overcome all those adversities and how what helped to persist. So welcome, Pat. Thank you, Esmeralda. I appreciate being here. Thank okay. you so much. Well, I grew up in a farm family near Abilene, Texas, in family structures, much like the families that my husband and I found in the Rio Grande Valley when we moved to the valley in 1971. I moved to the valley right before our first child was born. I uh, had gone uh, to all the public schools in Abilene, Texas, which is where I grew up. I had gone to the University of Texas at Austin on scholarship and was part of a undergraduate honors program called Plan 2, but I was not very motivated at the time. So I hit my senior year at UT and had dropped out because I had scholarships all that time and now I was going to have to borrow money and I did not want to borrow money. In the doors the Lord opened for me, I finally have gotten to tell quite a few students that the Lord saved me a spot in education. But if he did not save them a spot in education, then they needed to go ahead and finish the degree. Not finishing my degree at UT Austin was kind of stupid. But hey, nobody could tell me anything in those days. So I wound up in the Rio Grande Valley. I had been in downtown Dallas working for an attorney and that paid very well. But in the Valley, I went to work for an attorney and that did not pay very well. And so we wound up with three kids in four years. The first one was born in the Valley right before, I mean, I moved to the Valley right before I gave birth to that first child and worked for some attorneys and I enjoyed it, but the Lord opened the door and I started teaching at what was then Texas State Technical Institute, and it soon became Texas State Technical College. My husband was teaching school at the time, and we had three kids in four years, and when the Lord opened the door for me to teach at TSTC, I didn't understand what was happening with kids in the valley. I knew what was happening with my own children, but not anybody else's kids. And what happened in the way I wound up being with RGV Lead, which was at that time first named Tech Prep of the Rio Grande Valley, I uh, wrote a grant proposal. And I didn't know I'd be good at writing grant proposals, but the Lord knew I'd be good at writing grant proposals. And at that time, there was no South Texas College. There was just Texas State Technical College. It became a college shortly after they hired me. It was an institute when they hired me. And um, I helped with the startup of STC in the beginning. That's a different story. The way I came to do what I did when I retired from RGV Lead after almost 30 years was that grant proposal. But I had, I'd grown up in a good family, much like the families of the Valley. My cousins were my playmates. My uncles were my farm workers. I got it when I met the people of the Valley. My first two years here in the Valley, I felt like I wanted to leave because I felt like I'd fallen off the end of the earth. My husband and I had lived in Arlington and I'd worked in downtown Dallas and the valley was very different 
but I soon learned the family structures were very similar. And I came to realize the people of the valley were just wonderful people. So I'm in the valley and I'm a program chair at TSTC by that time and I've written this grant proposal. And I had to talk about everything I would do to set up tech prep programs in the Rio Grande Valley. And I drew from my own experiences. I had seen what my kids had gone through in the Harlingen Public Schools. And I had seen what I went through when I finished my own degree, because after I'd been at TSTC for a while, the time came that the guy in charge of instruction wrote me a letter and said, Dear Mrs. Bob, we really love you. You're really doing a great job. We are so happy that you're in charge of this instructional program for us. And if you don't finish your degree, you're fired. So I went to what was then UTPA and I got a baccalaureate degree in English and history. And I began to understand more of what I saw with education in the Valley. And what I saw with education in the Valley is what prompted the startup of tech prep. And I, so uh, I wound up with a chairman who was president of a manufacturing company at that time, board chair. And we talked about what we were going to do with tech prep because I had written a grant proposal. And at that time, it was TSTC and 10 school districts, and we were going to work on business programs. But collaborate is my middle name and partner with other people is my second middle name. And we soon expanded. Amazing. Well, we soon expanded it to be TSTC and Texas Southmost and UT Pan Am and all the school districts in the four county region. And when STC started, we just, TSTC had helped and I helped with some of the programs at startup at South Texas College and we brought them in too. But what was written into that first grant proposal is what has driven the work being done in RGV lead ever since. And it was things like academics for everybody. When I finished my own degree in the Valley, I began to understand more about it. I was taking uh, a course called Advanced Grammar. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be so good because I'm teaching programs at TSTC and I'm teaching legal transcription. And these kids don't know passive voice. And a lot of people don't know passive voice, but you need to know it if you're going to do legal transcription. And I told my teacher at Pan Am what I was teaching my students and he said they cannot possibly learn that. That's too hard for them. And I'm going, really? Putting an ED on a verb is too hard for them? Then when I met my first board chair, we the first thing we did was we met up with the National Center for Manufacturing Sciences. And I know I'm talking to a lady who works with that. And we wound up buying a mobile manufacturing technologies laboratory from NCMS and sending it around the valley to students in junior high school at that time, middle school now. That was like a high-tech machine shop on wheels. So a kid could actually drill a hole in his hand if he were not careful. But it came with a curriculum and the curriculum was to teach, basically it was teaching math. It was teaching anthropometry, the measurement of the human body. And it was teaching kids how to use tape measures. Amazing. Sticks. That's that. And here I am, I'm hanging out with the president of a manufacturing company who's telling me when I hire frontline workers, I have to teach them how to use tools of measurement. And the National Center for Manufacturing Sciences at the other side of the nation 
was having to teach its frontline workers how to use tools of measurement. And I saw what my own kids were going through and I began to wonder what the heck are we doing in public schools? If we're not teaching them grammar and we're not teaching them how a ruler works, what are we teaching them? So all those things were what we wrote into that first grant proposal and started working on. And we started working on the fact that everybody needs a solid academic foundation. If a college level textbook is, requires a lower reading level than the entry level handbook for how to use a machine on a manufacturing floor, we need to be doing more with academics for everybody. And we worked on that. We worked on setting up programs for that blended rigorous academics, a solid academic foundation with a career focus. I was thrilled when I heard Cornelio Gonzalez, the head of the Education Service Center, saying that uh, when he was a new principal in Brownsville, I came to town saying, hey, kids need a career major. And he said, and it hit him that that was indeed what they needed. After we've been doing this, well, that's now state law. State law now requires that all kids need a career major and an academic foundation. But when we were first setting that out in the Valley, it was kind of revolutionary. And a lot of people were saying, you've got to be kidding. These kids cannot do that. And I'm saying, you've got to be kidding. You're telling me because this lady's last name is Adami that she can't learn reading, writing, and arithmetic in Excel and said that didn't make any sense to me. And so because I'm really passionate about what I do and really passionate about the kids. I mean, you know, some of the kids I had in class, I can remember one young lady who took three years to finish her year and a half degree. And the real bugaboo was a math course. And I can remember telling her, Cynthia, I'm gonna find you a really good teacher. If I cannot find you a really good teacher, you come into my office and you and I will work together on your math. And that she called me back and you may have seen some of them too, Esmeralda, you may not have. This young lady called me back and she was finally out. She had finished her degree and she was working for an attorney. And she said, awesome. oh, Bub, I just love my job. I've got my own desk and it's got a plant on it. Hmm. And you know, I just, uh, I couldn't believe that kids in the Valley could not achieve anything they wanted to achieve if they were willing to work on it. And a lot of what happened with me, and it was very successful. We became a state model and now it's in the state law, but you know, that was all because the Lord had his hand on it. And that's the real, that's the real answer. If you want to know the secret of my success, I overcame being the child of a family that was poor as a church mouse. I overcame stereotypes that I had in my own head about what could and could not be achieved. I overcame being in the valley where my husband and I had too many kids in too short a time to be able to afford all of them. To the Lord opening doors, if you told me I was going to love to teach school, I would have told you you were crazy because I had zero desire to be a teacher, but it turned out I probably was born to be a teacher because I love the kids. Oh my goodness, the kids are so fun. Amazing, amazing. Well, I mean, everything that you're talking about seems like, you know, the passion is there. The passion is there, the passion's evident. And thank you, thank you, because uh, all the foundation that you worked with your team there and then that grant proposal and all that that you did, 
is really what we what we're working on now. Those of us that are in education uh, now that all that work had to be there, had to be, you know, you paved the way to, to, to what we know now. That's amazing. Now, Pat, you, you were talking about, you know, overcoming a lot of the stuff that you had on your own mind. I mean, is this as a teenager? Explain a little bit on that. Well, I, uh, my, when I've told a lot of kids, you need to find a goal and achieve it. The trick to being, or the key to being successful in life is to find something you love to do that you can earn a living doing. Then work is fun. But the model that I came from was a farm family. I was very intelligent. I think my siblings were all very intelligent. But in my family, the men were farmers and the ladies stayed home and cooked for the men. So I had my goal in life at that time was to be a secretary. Not that there's anything wrong with being a secretary. People need, they run the place. But I wouldn't have known to get a degree and go do other things, except I had scholarships. And my teachers all told me, hey, your college material, so go. But that was not my goal. When I dropped out my senior year at UT, that was a 2020 hindsight. That was not a really intelligent decision. That was kind of a stupid decision. I went and looked for jobs and had people at that time, I remember interviewing with one fellow who told me, I would love to hire you, but you need to go back to school and finish your degree. And then come back and we'll talk. Well, the stereotypes I had in my head were that I didn't need to do that, that I needed to go do a job to help support a family and cook. It turns out actually, I'm not really very good at cooking. I wish I were, <laughs> but, but it's really not my strong suit. My sister is, but it's not really my strong suit. I do better at ordering takeout than I do cooking at home. Yes, I agree with you. Well, that's my, my thing too. Now, Pat, when you're, you're a senior in, 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 at UT, you're still not married. You're still single. That's correct. Okay, but you still yet decided because uh, you just were going to go find a job. Well, I found a job and wound up in the Valley having to finish a degree to keep the job that I had when I was teaching school. I will tell you that it would have been much easier to have finished that degree when I was young, when I was not married, when I did not have children and family responsibilities. It was far more complex to do it in the valley with a full-time job, with a husband, with three children. But actually, yes. the Lord takes care of his kids if they do not make wise decisions. The Lord has knows the end. And thank, thank him for that, right? Well, amen. And he uh, actually led God and he really just led God, protected and had a plan. I've tried to advise my own daughter about career decisions and that's many years ago. And she would ask me something and I would tell her, I really do not know exactly what to tell you because all I did was walk through doors as the Lord opened them. And in truth and in fact, I grew up in a family of Christians, but didn't really enter into what I call an up close and personal relationship with the Lord until I was in my early twenties. And after I really had established a solid relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he just led. He opened doors. He brought mentors. And it's really been a joy. It really has been a joy. 
to see what he has done with RGV Leave. I am talking to one of the executive board members of RGV Leave, and I saw that, and congratulations, and thank you. I thank just think you. the Lord has plans for the people of the valley. Yes, I think uh, once God blesses us, again, there's a lot of people that might be listening to this and that are not believers, but uh, we can see you're sharing that your story and that's what got you through. That's what opened doors one after another. You just mentioned really he was the one. And again, I know that the same thing, we share We share similar stories, same thing, you know, once you ask for something, uh, uh, he keeps giving you more, more than, you know, the Bible says that there's way more that we can ask for, you know, that he'll supply and he'll supply every need. But for those that are, again, might not be Christians, might not be, that are probably not believers, or those that are going to be listening that, that say, you know what, I, I hear you, but I don't know what you're talking about. It's just, it's not until you have that encounter that you mentioned that you actually see that. You see that. Well, so that's true. Yes. Um, now, uh, Pat, what can you tell me about, um, so we said you, you grew up in a, in a farm family, um, your siblings are, well, I guess, expected to be, you know, housewives as, as, as a female, and the men were supposed to go work for the farm. Now, was there any, um, I guess, did you see anything from once you decide, you know what, I'm going to go to college? Was there anything that came from maybe your siblings or maybe your parents that said, you know what, no? Was there any uh, negative? Negative, no. But once you decide to go to college. Models, I have talked to some students who have said, my parents always understood the value of education. There's a young man who's going to be speaking at an RGV League conference in January, and I know that's not for your podcast, but he, he's an immigrant from Mexico, and he has a wonderful mother, and his, his parents understood the value of education. They encouraged their kids in education. My parents did all that they could, but that what that young man described, I didn't have that at home. I had a different set of expectations at home. Everybody was expected to work. Everybody was expected to go to school and achieve to the best of their ability, but there was no opposition to college. There just was no, I thought about when you're filling out the first financial aid application and you have to have information from your parents. They just didn't know. They gave us all they could, but they, my daddy had a sixth grade education my mother finished high school, but that's when high school had 11th grades, not 12. And the only reason she did was her brothers, all of whom were farm workers, wanted their sister to get an education. But uh, my parents didn't know enough, they didn't oppose, but they didn't know enough to help. So if there were a barrier to be overcome, it would have been the lack of understanding of the value that I now have, the value of education, but I didn't then. And uh, so I guess the barriers were poverty. I'm, I'm like the kids who have to fill out their own financial aid application because the mom and daddy don't know enough to help them. Not that they wouldn't help them, they just didn't know enough to help them. And that's kind of the background I came from. Thank you. Yeah, and that's something that you say, you know what, that was years ago. It's sad because it's still really, really, uh, that's still really present here in the Valley. You know, the parents, like you said, they might want to help, but they can't. 
or they might want to help, but they don't speak English. They might want to help, but they've never gone through college themselves. So it's, it's, it's a struggle for them to help their kids and the kids feel like they're not, maybe they might not feel supportive uh, that they have their parents support, but it's like, even if they wanted to, it's, it's, <clears throat> they can't. So well, okay. that's the reality. And that's, that's why I said that I grew up in a family structure, much like the family structures I found in the Valley. So, yes, yes. But it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just is a little bit, you have to find harder. You have to, you have to press harder. You have to try a little more than those that do have that from the parents. Now tell me, you mentioned that you mentioned that you 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 met the Lord, you had this relationship with God in the twenties uh, and so forth. But what else helped you persist besides your faith? Like what else helped you get through, you know, life barriers? Maybe going through school, um, the family, the kiddos having to go to college. What else helped you? Well, a strong work ethic helped actually. Uh, any, I, I've heard, I haven't actually met the kids who could graduate and expect to have a job that's going to pay more than they actually can find a job paying in the beginning. I knew how to work and I came to any position that I took expecting to work. So being willing to work hard helped a lot. But when we started, um, Nonprofit, which is what we did in the early years of that very first tech group grant, being willing to do what it took to bring in the partnerships and develop those relationships and continue to work hard has helped a lot. Then and the Lord opened doors has helped a lot too. So yes, but are we just again? We're, people are going to be listening and say, "Okay, it seems like I'm just going to get to know the Lord and." he's I'm gonna sit back and you know and he's gonna open the doors like no like there is hard work well there's, there's a dedication anybody not just me you anybody needs to do what it takes to meet deadlines to plan if you're going to be in the position I wound up in I wound up in the position as the director that takes being willing to understand the environment which means you've got to study the environment to understand it it takes being willing to take the next step to see the opportunities. And for me, that meant hanging out with a lot of good people. It's real, I guess, realizing you need help from other people too. Nobody can do it all by themselves. If anybody tries to do something like a collaborative project all by himself or herself, they're doomed to failure. It's realizing when you need help and who to go to to ask for the help. I wound up with a wonderful board of directors. I'm talking with one of them now. Thank you. But knowing when to ask for the expertise that somebody else does not have because it takes a lot of work on your part. You need to understand deadlines, meet deadlines, and meet them with excellence. And that's a lot of work to do that. But also knowing when to ask other people for help and then being sure that you acknowledge their contributions. It'll kill success if you ask somebody else for help and then take credit for what they have done. You absolutely need to acknowledge the contributions that other people are making too. Yes, yes. Well, thank you. So it's just, again, aside from your faith was, you know, uh, teamwork, you know, hard work, dedication. And, and you mentioned a lot about you know, also, you know, asking for help, acknowledging them. So thank you. Thank you for that. Now, what, uh, what life advice can you offer for those listening? I mean, just 
in general, what life advice can you give? You know, when it comes to adversities and when it comes to persisting and reaching your goals. Well, I would um, say you have to aim high. Don't sell yourself short. A lot of, not everybody, some people have exaggerated ideas of their own importance, but I think a lot of people tend to undervalue themselves. For a lot of people, the automatic assumption is going to, is sometimes, oh, I could not possibly do what I really want to do. And my advice was, would be don't believe that. If you're interested in something, give it a try. If you think you can't achieve it, you might be surprised if you set goals and perceived goals, set small attainable goals and one step leads to another step leads to another step and so on. So it would be to give it a try and prepare, understand the preparation, do the research needed you know, for what you need to be successful and uh, find what you love in life and go for it. That would be my advice, yeah. Thank you, thank you. And what, what uh, I know you talked about it, I believe at the beginning, but you just said, I mean, there might be some younger people listening that say, well, it's so easy for you to say, because maybe you're older, and it's so easy for you to say, because you've already been through life. But how do I find my passion? How do I find that job that people talk about that I'm going to work, but then I'm not going to work? You know what I mean? When you find that, what, what can you say regarding that for the younger ones listening? Well, there, first of all, you and I are talking on a podcast. There are a lot of resources available that kids can go to to research what jobs are like. There are, and there are free resources, free resources where you can test out your own interests and aptitudes and see what you might possibly like. I have said I love teaching school and didn't know I would love teaching school. But I didn't have any of those things. There are places that when kids are in public school where they can try it out. There are job shadowing experiences. There are career interest inventories. Uh, RGB Lead does one this large education and career expo where they can actually talk to people who are doing the jobs and find out what it's like. And I do a lot of research. And then when opportunities come to try internships or job shadow days or any of that kind of stuff, take advantage of them and check it out and see. That's my Thank life. you. Thank you. And I think right now, uh, I, I don't know how much uh, how much it was prior in the prior years, but I know a lot of, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm talking prior COVID, right? Well, with COVID, it's a little different, but there's a lot of uh, managers out there. There's a lot of people that they won't turn anything, anybody back, uh, you know, out or, or turn them down when they say, you know what, I want to do some job shattering. I want to do this, I mean, or if you just go and call, you know, how is it to be a dentist or how is this to, to be a teacher? I think there's a lot of people out there that are willing to mentor. They're willing to, to, to help and they're willing to, to show those younger ones how it is. We just need to kind of, like you said, get out there, see what the resources are and just ask, you know, asking you sure receive. You're right, I agree. Thank you. Now, what would you say, Pat, when it comes to juggling, you know? Uh, I mean, you mentioned you had, you were married, you, you had uh, kids growing up, you were going to school. I mean, I'm assuming you were working also at the same time. So how would you, how did you do it? How did you juggle, you know, all this work and the kids? And because that's something very similar to here. I mean, that's what a lot of us go here in the Valley, especially like females where they're trying to 
work and then the kids and then the house and then a million things going on. How did you juggle all that? Well, I uh, did all I could to have realistic expectations. And then I prioritized family. I did. I prioritized work too. I actually slept less then than I do now. But there are still things that I looked at and said, how important is this? And that's what I have met several young people who think they have to do, and young females in particular, everything. have to do everything. And in reality, nobody can do everything. They think they can, but all you do is go and kill yourself trying and you're still not going to get everything done. So for me, I've talked about I sat on the floor and read books to my children and didn't worry about the cobwebs in the corner. And that's a true statement because yes, there was not yes. time to do it all. So I did what I think I prioritized what was most important and worked on the most important things first. You know, nobody got sick at my house, but we did have cobwebs in the corner. <laughs> so Thank you. Thank you for that. And you know what? Like you said, as, as moms, we feel like super moms and we want to clean the house and we want to do this but yet a lot of times we neglect th th that quality time with the kiddos which is more important and I know I thank God I, I, I kind of saw that years back when my first daughter was still young I said you know what that can wait the cleaning can wait I need to spend time with her I need to do this so it's amazing how um there is a lot of things that we can get accomplished if you prioritize. You mentioned you prioritize, work on the most important things first, and go from there. Yeah, because our kids, I mean, I'm assuming that your kiddos are all grown up now. They are. They are. We have grandchildren now. Um, and there are just their seasons in life. But prioritizing is super important. And giving yourself grace is important, too. Because, I, and I don't know, I just think that a lot of people whom I have met, tend to, not out loud, but in their own heads, they need to cut themselves more slack. Have you ever heard the be as nice to yourself as you are to other people? If I'm going to- True, very like, true. Oh, no, no, you're fine. But in my own head, I might be saying, but I'm not, I need to do it all. Nobody can. We need to be good to ourselves and others and take care of ourselves as well as taking care of the people we love. Thank you. Yes, because if we're not fine, there's just we can't help the others, right? So thank you for that. And I'm gonna probably uh, not think of that spider webs that are in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, one good thing about it is they'll always be there. But anyhow, yeah. Yes, and then again, I've heard it ties what's more important, which is the kids. I guess when we're they're little, when they're young, and then a lot. There's a lot of things. Of course, there's stuff that cannot wait, and and there's stuff that can, but. Thank you, just prioritizing. Like thinking about what you're doing and almost analyzing your own thought processes to a certain extent to say, is this accurate? Sometimes putting it on paper helps you to think it through and see it, but there's a lot of truth to that. Yes, putting it random down, you know what, this needs to get done, this needs to get, and always stick that family time in there, the quality time. And you know, COVID-19 kind of tends to blend it all together and make it a little bit more of a challenge to do that, I think. Yes, well, now that you're saying uh, COVID-19, how was, how did Pat deal with, with COVID? I know you got, now you're retired, and, but it might be a little different, but how did that affect you? How did it change, or how did, uh, how did uh, this virus, how did you deal with it? Well, for 
me personally, we just followed the public health guidelines and did what we were told. I was working when it started, but I had already been telecommuting. So for me personally, the work was a no-brainer transition. I was already doing it, but I saw a lot of other people who had to, a lot of figuring out to do to figure out how you're going to balance work and life if work is in your house. I RGV leads new director, Luis Rodriguez. First day of work was April one. 2020, we had closed our GV Leeds offices in the middle of March 2020. It was interesting to train a new director, never having met him in person. I had never provided orientation for a new staff member before without being physically in the room with them, but we figured it out. My neighbor across the street hates telecommuting. She says, I need the people. And at the same time, it's changing the way people work. So for me, hey, I'm a retired lady. I am no longer young. There are guidelines for those. And we just, I've become a guru of curbside shopping. Ask me anything you want to know about how to use the app. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. So tell us, tell us a little bit of how your, your retirement is going. You retired after, after how many years? It kind of gives a summary of your work history. And now that you're retired. Well, I uh, worked for attorneys for 12 years. Then I taught school at TSTC for 10 years. I was a chairman of a program at TSTC and I helped set up South Texas College. Then I wrote a grant proposal that led to running a nonprofit for almost 30 years. In retirement, I uh, have finally started working a lot more on physical activity than I did when I was sitting at a desk writing things. I am amazing. I am preparing to have my daughter and her family live with us for a while, which because they're moving to Texas from Washington State. I'm very happy about that. But oh, it's a blessing. not having a job will make it a lot easier than trying to work and have them in our home. So I'm uh having very limited activities outside the home and that gets kind of old and hurry but it's still you know we all have to work together to take now it's time now it's time for those spider webs it is and that's what i'm doing yes ma'am so wow there's seasons like, you mentioned yes yeah i'm sorry you yeah i know you mentioned seasons earlier well there are seasons there really are there's the season of being in school and going through school and setting a life goal and pursuing a life goal. And uh, then there is the season of, if you if you wind up married, there's the season of first marriage years and then the child rearing years and then the kids leave and you find new things to do with that. And uh, I am now in the golden years. I'm a grandmom. I'm in my mid seventies actually. So I'm living on extra time, really, and it's great. I count my blessings every day, and actually I've counted my blessings every day. And another life tip, I guess, would be to have an attitude of gratitude. It helps Thank you a lot you. to always be focusing on the good things in your life, because everybody has some positives and some negatives. So I'm focusing on the good things and have done that all my life. So. Thank you. Actually, I was interviewing somebody last night on on the, for the page for our persistence anniversary page. We were talking about gratitude. We were talking about gratitude and how uh, 
that impacts your entire day, you know, when you wake up and then you can have, you know, you, you decide whether it's going to be a positive day or a negative day. But she mentioned, you know, that <clears throat> the absence of gratitude uh, brings worry. Oh, it does. And I, uh, another success tip, really, have you ever heard your attitude determines your altitude? There's a lot to say with that. And, uh, but I learned that from childhood. I told my, I thought I see my sister a lot now and I couldn't do that until we relocated to Central Texas. But we talk about from the time we were little bitty children, we were taught to be thankful. And you know, everybody has some things that are bad in their lives and some things that are good in their lives. And that's just how it works. So not a particularly thrilling time if you're in the middle of a coronavirus to stay at home all the time. And it doesn't matter if you're a senior citizen or you're a young person, they still want us to stay home a lot. And we're yes. not accustomed to staying home. We're accustomed to being able to run around anywhere we want to run around anytime we want to run around. But there are good things about staying home. We can stay healthy. We do have time for the spider webs in the corners. We can have time for the projects that we keep saying, oh, I'll never get around to it. There's all there's something good. Oh, yes. you have to look for it all the time. Yes. Yes. Now, uh, Pat, what, what, how would you describe Pat? I know people that know you, people that describe you, say, no, Pat is amazing. She's an awesome lady. Says, Everything's good. But how would you describe Pat? For those uh, who are going to be listening and don't know you, they're listening to you, talking about your life story, but how would you describe Pat? Well, I would say that it, um, I am a very positive person. I have a thankful, grateful heart. That's part of who I am. I am a good listener, although I have to work on it because I tend to interrupt people a lot. But even so, I'm very interested in people. I love people's stories. I love getting to know people and hearing what they've been through and hearing where they can go and what they can do. I love people. I am a deeply committed Christian. Early in my career, I started living by the verse that says, in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your paths. And that's part of who I am. So I can't say I'm not because that's part of who I am. I'm a planner. I'm a writer. I'm a very organized individual. And uh, I, I'm still a goal setter. I just have new goals in this season of life. So... Amazing. Thank you. And you know, everything you started saying, you know, positive, I think that helps. Uh, it's just something common of the others that have been visiting the, the podcast that, you know, the goal setting and the staying positive. Uh, they all had mentioned, you know, a lot of them have echoed what you said about, you know, what staying positive, you know, gratitude, being thankful. And I think that helps, you know, in every aspect of life, not just work, but family and Everything, I guess, it's wrapped around having a good, good mindset. I think that you're, I, I agree with you. I think you're correct. Thank you. Now, how, what would you say, Pat, if you had the opportunity to have 18-year-old Pat Bub in front of you? What would you tell her? I'd tell her, while you're young, set a goal, get an education. It will always stand you in good stead. And uh, work, I, 
that's hard to think what I'd tell my 18 year old self. I would say, okay, when you consider dropping out at UT, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Go ahead and stay in school. Kind of like back to the future when the guy's yes. trying to change his own future. I wouldn't change the family decisions, but uh, surely there are some decisions that have made my life harder that had I made different decisions, life would have been easier. I keep talking about dropping out of school, but it's true. It would have been very easy at that time. So uh, understand your own potential. Understand all the options that are available to you. Don't settle on just one in the beginning, but try several and find out which is the best fit and which will bring where you can do the most good and also be the most blessed personally through it. Similar answers have uh, the other uh, people that I've had on the, on the podcast have said that set, set your goals higher. You can do it. Don't think of yourself any less. And, and it, I guess as a teenager, as young 20s and so forth, we tend to underestimate our abilities because of whatever circumstances, maybe because of our upbringing, maybe because the mentors are not there, maybe because as Hispanics, our parents tend to, uh, well, a lot of parents tend to kind of not have that positive feeding, you know, to, to their kids, but thank you. And I think uh, for those younger ones listening, Again, if you listen to the rest, the other podcasts, everybody's been saying, you know, like, do, do better. You know, as your 18 year old is like, you know, you can do better, you can do better. Don't settle for, for any less, you, you can do it. And it, it's just, I guess, so they can hear that it, it, it's done. It can be done. It, it, it's, they have the abilities to do it, so. Absolutely true, absolutely true, I agree. Thank you. Do you have any anything else that you want to add? Do you want to end the podcast with any any other advice? Well, I would. Uh, it's a great privilege to get to make a podcast with you. It's Thank a you. great privilege to think that young people may be listening to it. I would yes. tell young people the same thing I used to tell my students. And that is find something that you love to do that you can earn a living doing, whether it's somebody else paying you or you're your own business person, owning your own business. Because if you find something you love to do, then doing it will be a joy. And if doing it is a joy, then it's a lot less like work and a lot more like fun, even if it is a lot of work too. So yes. The other thing I'd say is actually, if you've never considered the Lord, give it a shot and investigate it and give it a try and see how it works out. It surely did work out nicely for me. Thank so. you. Thank you. And then we share that, Pat. We share that because myself, I mean, but my background is engineering and I never even thought I would teach. I was like, I don't want to teach. You know, when I first got, you know, the invitation to teach, I was like, uh, no. I, if I would have wanted to teach, I would have gone and, you know, study teaching, you know, become a teacher. But then it changed my life. And I realized that, you know, that was my passion. I love teaching. I like the giving back. And it's amazing when you get those one student, the two students, the three, and then they start coming and say, you know what, thank you. When they start saying thank you, you know, I never even wanted to, 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 to finish school. Oh, I had no idea that what my potential was, you know, thank you for pushing me to do an associates because a lot of times they would just get there to the classroom thinking of doing a certificate, yes. you know, and I was like, do you want to do an associates? And then you, you explain to them, they never know what is that. And then by the time they finish their associates, you know, I would talk to them and say, you know what, how about a bachelor's? And, 
it hurts that a lot of them that would look at me like if I was speaking French, they were like, like, what is that? Like, what's a bachelor's, you know, because they've never heard about it or the parents didn't go to college. So it's amazing when they come back and they're wanting me to write a recommendation letter for the masters, you know, and it's just like you, you also mentioned baby steps, you know, small, small goals. It's great. Yeah, I've run into my former students in the grocery store. I have somebody who started with an associate degree or certificate now has a master's degree working as a diagnostician or something like that. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's amazing. Can. Kids can achieve. They just need to know they can achieve. They yes. give themselves a chance. And Thank you. Cool. Yes, yes. And it's amazing, Pat, because I know you had a big impact, a big impact on not, not only all these policies that you talked about you know, with the gear up and so forth, but the amazing uh, impact that you had on the kids, you know, and all the outside activities. I know you didn't mention a lot of that, but I know RGV lead had an impact on a lot of kids, not only, you know, almost all around the Grand Valley. So that a, is um, stuff that, you know, they, they go out there and they impact the community themselves. And it's because of your will, willingness to, to give, you know, the willingness, your passion that you found on, uh, on this job. It was not just a job. It was your heart. You put your heart into it. So it's true. Love those kids. Love the yes. Things they can do. Yes. And, and it's like you say, you run into them. Yes. You run into them later and you, you see, wow, like that's what happened. You know, I had a little bit to do with that, you know, uh, it's a great joy. And you know that from personal experience, it's an indescribable joy. Yes. And that's what you realize. I guess I was meant to teach. Well, it's just, it's a joy to be part of another's life. It's a joy to see them achieving what you knew they could, but they needed to see they could. It's a joy. It's been a joy getting to do it. It's a joy seeing it continue. Yay! Yes, it's, it's, yes, it's amazing. And then you also mentioned at the end that, you know, give it a try. You know, how you, you, you get to uh, meet the Lord. And then again, for me, I mean, I'm going to echo that. It has this many perks his many perks being recognizing that that's where your blessings come from, you know, Amen. recognizing that everything's done through him. You know, I know one of my favorite verses is I can do all things through God who strengthens me. And that's just uh, many others that I, I, I hold on to very dearly saying, you know what, it says that I can do all things and it says that I can do it. And regardless of what goes through and regardless of this and regardless of the adversities. And yes, of course, uh, there is a lot of times that there is, and I want you to, I guess, share it if you had any of those. There's a lot of times that you just want to throw in the towel as a mom. There's a lot of times that you just want to, you, you realize, you know what, I am not that super person that I can do everything, but there's struggles. But guess, regardless of everything, you, you realize that, hey, I can, I can do it. So, well, it's, for me, it's very difficult to separate faith from talking about that. Because the times that were very difficult, I would pray and the Lord would open his word to me and I would do exactly what you've described. I would find a situation that applied to my situation, something in the Bible that applied to my situation and I would live by it. Case in point, when my kids were little and I was doing all I could to spend time with them, but I also had a full-time job and I was not sure it was enough. 
the Lord spoke to my heart, great shall be the peace of thy children, for thy children shall be taught of the Lord. And I'm going, okay, I'm going with that. Thanks, Lord. I'll do all I can and you do the rest. And it worked because there's no way that I could do everything those kids needed. And I had a husband, but even so, there are a lot of needs. And I talked to a young friend who is working in the business world, but also has a young child. And she's saying, oh, this is so hard. And there are times, there are times in life that are hard. And for me, anybody who does not have a relationship with the Lord, I don't know how they do it because it's been such a blessing in my life to be able to go and pray and you get answers and you go with it. So yes, find a source of hope, I'd say. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for, for, for the advice you gave. Thank you for the time that you gave to the podcast. And I'm hoping that those out there listening can, can understand and see how um, everything, you know, that you, you know, you, you did everything that all those adversities or, you know, whatever it was that you encounter, you know, it was, you got through because you said that it was your faith that got you through. And of course, all these uh, hardworking dedication and all those, we need to make sure they're there, you know, the goal setting and, and then finding that we can do it, finding that inner strength that pers to persist. Amen. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a joy to be with you. I love that you're doing this. Yay team, go fat win. Thank you. Thank I you. like that. Go, what was, can you repeat that? Yay team, go fat win. Go fight win. Thank you. That's, that's what the cheerleader tells the football team, but it works in life as well. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, doctor. Oh, okay. Very sweet.